Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Our guest today will be a familiar voice on this station as the business expert for 770 CHQR and CTV Morning Live, where he regularly gives his insights on the business news of the day. He also has a podcast and YouTube show called The Carmali Exchange, where he does what we do, digging into what life is like for business owners and how they got there. Oh, and he also has a business, by the way, the Popowich Carmali Advisory Group. Not sure how he has time to squeeze running a business in there, but he has managed to squeeze us in today. Mr. Faisal Carmali, welcome. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Good morning. Good morning, David. Good morning, Tara. Um, you know, I prepared a lot of questions about the uh, podcast, but that's in a second. <laughs> okay. Inflation, okay. interest rates. Mm-hmm. What's your take? <laughs> All right, that's, where are we going? We're going to go right the, into it. The reason, <laughs> the reason I asked, I got today in, uh, a survey from Bank of Canada. That I, okay. <laughs> so I want to hear your opinion. Yeah. So, so when you look at the the impacts of uh, interest rates, inflation, they're kind of hand in hand. And one thing that central bankers, primarily in uh, U.S. and Canada, have really talked about is they are welcome to to raise interest rates until they can control the inflation rate. And the only thing that central bankers have control over is the demand side of the economy, not the supply side. So that they can make things more expensive for the average individual, they will demand less. And that pushes prices down or at least cools off inflation. Now, they have a second responsibility and that's employment. Employment is at full employment in the United States, pretty close here in Canada for full employment. So they have lots of room to move up on interest rates until they start seeing the data that says inflation is under control. We're a ways away from that. So mm. we anticipate probably one or two more interest rate heights. Now the debate is, is it a, a 1% increase in total or 1.5% or 2%? That's yet to be determined based upon the employment numbers, but we're going to see see things probably continue to rise until they can control that. Will it push us to recession? Yeah, that's that's the uh, the battle that uh, central bankers have. Where do they go? Can they raise interest rates um, uh, or do they not? And they've got two battles to fight. One is keeping inflation out of control or potentially putting the economy in recession. And if that was a choice, if they had to make one, they would pick recession over over out of control inflation. So um, I have a model that's basing it right now about 55% probability we're going into recession, but let's define recession. Yeah, that's exactly. Right? It's not. Um, when, I, when I tell Albertans recession, they think of you know, mass unemployment rate, major jobs being lost, a whole bunch of people dropping keys off at the banks that they can't uh, pay for their mortgages. Mm-hmm. I don't see that in the in the cards right now. What I do see is what's called a narrow or shallow uh, recession. So it's technical, but it doesn't really feel like it. So you go to any restaurant, you go through the airports, you do, you look at the service side of the industries out there, they're still going to be uh, busy. Real estate will have a bit of a challenge, uh, um, more on the residential side than commercial, I oh, believe. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think you're starting to see signs of that in places like Vancouver and Toronto, where they're seeing sales drop. They're seeing prices kind of hitting the hard, hard part. So we're going to see more of that in the, in the near term and then expect potentially a, a mild recession if they push us into it. A lot of people worried about their retirement savings and where they should be putting their money right now to save for the future and just over this time where we're going to be struggling a little bit. What are your 
suggestions? Yeah, when we look at retirement, most people think of retirement as a destination, not the entire journey. And so we look at it as a point in time. Retirement's not a point in time. People declare retirement, that's just their next phase of their life. So look at your money in different pools of time frame. How much money will you need in the first five years, let's say? the next five years after that, and maybe even beyond that 10 years plus. So you don't have to have all your money in some low-risk savings component that pays very little interest because you're worried about volatility because you've got time on your side in your retirement. The average retirement is 27 years. So if you look at that time frame, that's a lot of time for the markets. We have never seen the markets do a negative return over any 25-year period, any 20-year period any 15-year period, and in Canada, any 10-year period. So you've got time on your side if you can hold on that investment strategy for the long term, but your short-term money, we call an income bucket, that's designed for five years or less. That's ideal to keep it safe, keep it away from the markets because it's going to be a bumpy ride for the next little while. So when I was growing up, it was always, you need a million in the bank. Mm. That's what you need. You got to have a million dollars. Where are we at right now with the guidance around what people need to start? What's the goal? Yeah, the magic number. Wait wait a second. How much do you need to get there? Like, where are you? (laughs) 950? (laughs) Go to commercial. Can I borrow some money, please, David? (laughs) The, The argument has always been, what's the dollar amount that you need? What we should be focusing on is what's the lifestyle you want to have or what you do have today. Because a million dollars might be more than enough for one individual and might not be enough for another. So we like to reverse engineer from lifestyle first. Start off there. What is your What does it cost for your day-to-day and your lifestyle needs? How much of that will you be able to cover with guaranteed sources of income, pension plans, CPP, old age security? Then whatever is the difference, we call that the income gap, that's how much you need from savings. And so when you look at that number, that's what you have to calculate. What's your magic number in savings? And it could be a million. But the, the big one is make sure you have a proper retirement specialist helping you with this because this is the most vulnerable stage in a person's financial life. They're 100% dependent on their savings. They don't have any other income coming in like a job or a business. So make sure you have the right people working with you to get, to get that calculation done, but also work with you through your retirement. Our guest this morning is Faisal Karmali, uh, part of the Popovich Karmali Advisory Group. So, Faisal, you, you guys at, at your uh, team meet a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. What are the major concerns uh, you see from entrepreneurs uh, when it comes to talking with them about their stability, financial future? Yeah, most entrepreneurs or business owners, their, bi- their largest portion of their wealth is either in their business or about their business, either real estate or what have you. And turning that either it's by selling it or turning it into a rental property where they can receive income is probably their biggest anxiety level at that point. Um, most business owners overvalue their business. They think it's a worth a lot more than it really is. <laughs> Shocking. They believe everybody wants to buy it. Uh, and so they think that it's very easy to sell. Selling a private business can take years. And so the proper planning of getting that out of your hands and into someone else's and you get the capital, it is very complicated has a lot of tax issues, but also it's not simple as someone writing a check. That's the easy way of doing it. Most businesses are not sold that way. Most businesses have some sort of borrowing impact to it. So how does the financial viability of the buyer come into play? So the anxiety level of entrepreneurs as they transition to retirement is, can I dispose of this asset, turn it into liquid cash where I can live off of for the rest of my life? And that's a very challenging time. And it doesn't happen the year before you retire. It's years before you retire. I was listening to a podcast the other day and you hear a lot of different opinions about investing in residential real estate. And so the last guidance that I heard this morning was, was, um, 
there are a lot, it's kind of being industrialized where big companies are eating up all of this uh, residential real estate. So Mm -hmm. one of the best things you can do is invest in real estate for the future. What are your thoughts? I I look at that as similar to investing in a business. Either you can be active and own your own business or you can be passive by buying into a business through shares of a company. And so what you're describing there is some of the largest corporations, either real estate investment trusts or other corporations have bought up a lot of real estate and they're going to spin off some of the profits to its shareholders. That's a passive way of investing in that business idea or that investment idea. So there are two ways to do it. Some people prefer the bricks and mortar and being a, being a landlord. Others say, like myself, I'm biased. I don't like that headache. I will either, either outsource that to a, a professional company, just give me my, my check along the way and I'll be happy. So... I'm sitting here, Tara, and you can ask me that question, right? <laughs> I'm in real estate and I run two uh, REITs, yeah. two private REITs, yeah. and a third to be launched. So yeah. I'm insulted. <laughs> okay. uh, I was talking about residential real estate, David. It's real estate. <laughs> okay, fair. Well, let, let's, let's chat about that because I think, you know, from your perspective, having a private REIT, the investors that come to you, what type of investor is coming to you for a private REIT versus an investor who's coming to you for their own bricks and mortar? I think it's the same kind of investors that come to private REIT to, and to uh, public REIT. It's how do you get exposed to it. It's one. And I think what we see uh, in terms of now we run it for eight years is their ability to talk with the CEO directly mm-hmm. because I travel and meet investors all over the country. And it's not so common in the public er- arena. Yeah. The other thing is they want to know that I have my skin in the game, which yeah. I have and my family has. Yeah. So when you have this personal relationship and eyeball to eyeball, or in my case, belly to belly, <laughs> um, that gives a different, uh, and it's the same people that are preparing in the markets yeah. and coming to invest through the exempt market. Sure. So it's, it's a combination. So I, I, what I see that exempt market growing is just because they realize, oh, we can meet the CEO, we can meet the person that is responsible. And it's not just, you know, through all the advisors in the middle. And I'm not trying to no, underestimate. No, I'm just, and, and because we work with, with private inv- advisors, yeah. so it's the, the biggest amount of money you raise is from private inv- uh, advisors, For sure. uh, not directly. So it, it's, we see that kind of, uh, you know, both, they play in both our arenas. Yeah. I, I find that very similar to my, my, my business. Um, when investors are investing, even in public markets, they want to know who's managing their money. So they could go to a mutual fund and and give their money to that mutual fund, cross their fingers and hope it all works out and never speak to the manager because they're really not allowed to. It's not, they don't have access. They can't see the whites of the eyes of the money manager. With our clients, they see Dave and myself. They see what we're doing. We report to them monthly by email, quarterly conference calls, face-to-face conversations. Like it's exactly what you were saying here, Dave, that there's a, there's a big difference between uh, investing directly with the money manager or investing passively through somebody else, through a pool or something like that. Faisal Carmeli is with us this morning with the Popovich Carmeli Advisory Group. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. 
Our guest this morning is Faisal Karmali from the Popovich Karmali Advisory Group. Tara mentioned before we went into a commercial, the podcast mm-hmm. and the Karmali Exchange. So how did it all start and where is it going? It's just growing like, like, enormously. Yeah, it's growing very well. We're very happy. I've got a great team who's, uh, who's helping me put this out. This is a passion project. And, I and, and they're here taking and pictures they're here. of Tara and me, right? Yeah, they're here. Taking yeah, notes, yeah. taking video. And so I when you put my makeup. Uh, oh makes my two God. of us. <laughs> so when you get a chance to go on our, our social media at Faisal Carmelli, you'll see all the pictures of what's happening here. Um, the the purpose of this whole per, uh, of Kermali Exchange is that in my career doing uh, as a money manager, doing this for 25 years, working in the financial industry, I've had the privilege and the opportunity to meet with a lot of um, executives and learn how they run these big, large corporations. And we've been able to understand that and build it into what I call the five Ps. So that's people, product, process, passion, and get paid. Those five BPs are the ingredients of a successful business. Now, when I go to the private side... Can you repeat them slowly? Yeah, sure. For everybody. People, products, process, passion, and get paid. Those five Ps, if you nail those, you're going to have a very successful business. When I go to the private side and I talk to entrepreneurs, I talk to business owners, many of them are very good at their craft. Very few of them are good at running a business. What's the difference? So... When you let's whatever shop it may be, retail or whatever it may be, you you know what you're doing in your business. If you're a service-based business, you know how to give that service. But it's you're beyond that service when you're a business owner. You're running an actual entity. And how do you run that entity with all the growth ideas that you have for your business requires more than just the skill set that got you to become that service or product provider. If, if I can help Faisal answer this question is when he or me or you go in a big, big corporations, you have VP of HR, CFO, mm-hmm. COO, CEO. Entrepreneur is mainly, first of all, VP of HR because <laughs> it's the people thing yeah. that, that yeah. Faisal made and then all the rest because you also have to be the VP of finance because not every controller or CFO will be, you know, heads on. Getting the money that someone owes for six months. That's right. So that's what the difference that's, is. That's right. And so when you look at those issues, they're very good at their craft. They, the number one reason why businesses fail is because they're missing on at least one of the five Ps. Mm-hmm. And they just fail. Most of it's money. That's because they're not keeping a tab of it. But it's because they're not following those five Ps. So if they can nail that, that's what the secret, secret of success is as a business owner. I'd say even as the leader of a team, those five Ps are really important. So I've, I've also seen that somebody has expertise in something, but they've never led a team and they've never had to, they, they've never had to understand how important um, pe- the P, the people part of the P, the five Ps is. Yeah, it's huge. I just gave myself a tongue twister. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that that's something that a lot of people take for granted that, okay, well, now all of a sudden I'm in charge of 10, 15, 20, however many people, but they don't see that as a part of their job, yeah. their responsibility. Yeah. So where does that come into play for you? You know, it's, there's two parts of the, of the people. There's people management and there's customer or client management. So let's go to the people management within your team. What we've gone through in the last, call it three years, including the pandemic, has been transformational for working with employees, from working from home, from not having a job, from having family issues, health issues, and so forth. I don't think there's a single business owner that has more than 10 employees underneath their belt right now 
that uh, can say everything is working smooth, no mm. problem. Yeah. Someone's sick. Someone's away. Someone's having concerns. Someone's having family issues. Like you become a, a therapist to some degree. You become a a voice of reason in other cases, and you have to also lead these groups of individuals to reach the objective of the institution that you're working for or your own company. That is a big change than it was many years ago. And so I think this is where pure people leadership will lead businesses to the next phase that we're going to go to. Failure to do that, you're going to see massive people leave. You're hearing about the great resignation in the United States, not so much in Canada. The reason for that, the employer is not a good leader. Mm-hmm. They're totally an employer. agree. Yep. They believe you have a right to a job, not the privilege of working with, with the employer. And that's the difference. I think if we as business owners come back and say, if it wasn't for our team, we wouldn't be here. Let's treat them that way. Then you'll see a change happen. Until that happens, we're going to start still, still seeing these issues amongst our, our employees. And so you just made Tara's day. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you just made Tara's day. But it's true. Yeah, you, it's 100% true. Caring so, about your people. You, your show, or the Akramani Exchange, you interview people from different, not just from Alberta or from Calgary, like our show. Yeah. And what are the, I would say, top three nuggets that you heard from entrepreneurs that made them successful, that you would advise a new entrepreneur? Yeah. Number one, they understand their financials. They know where the numbers are going. Those who are uh, uh, disassociated with it have a hard time running their business. Number two, they have the ability of resiliency. There's so many changes happening and think of just Alberta as an example of what we've gone through <laughs> over the last 10 years alone. It's been phenomenal. And so that change of economic boom bust, being resilient through that is, is, is key. And number three, really focusing on your passion. If you don't really enjoy it, it's going to come through. Your employees will see it. Your customers will see it. It's going to impact your bottom line. And then it just turns into a job, not a business. How do you think that the government can help entrepreneurs and businesses provincially? Yeah, I think number one, uh, we need to have as little red tape as possible. It's hard for a business in Alberta to start when you compare it to other provinces, when you compare it to other countries. So there's still a lot of red tape. And that's not only provincial, that's also municipal. I think those two areas need to make a change there. Uh, the second part the government needs to do is encourage capital investment. We do not encourage capital investment. And just look what happened to our, our oil sands industry. We were a reactionary voice from the government. We weren't a proactive voice. We are diversifying in Alberta now better than ever before in history, and you don't hear about it around right. the world. Right. We need to be the biggest PR in the country, the loudest voice, because that's where people are going to start putting their capital, bring their businesses here, and expand. We need to diversify our economy. And if our government can just focus on being the megaphone of the people, watch out. Alberta will raise to the top. Well, we didn't have any oil and gas guests yet. Just different walks of uh, industry and different life and different mm-hmm. industries in our show, yeah. which is goes back to what Faisal just said about diversification. And, and that's our goal as a city, as a, as a province, yeah. maybe even as a country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Recognizing though, how important that industry is to Alberta, but we, we also are diversifying yeah. right with some of the, the clean energy, but the two go hand in hand. Huge. Look at, look at our country as a whole. We are the only country in the G7 nations that does not create, have its own car company. Think about that. France has their own car company. Yeah, but 
regardless of the quality of it, we're not going to talk about that. They have their own. You know, they we drink wine, do you? Assemble it. I think Canadians actually drink more. It's funny. Um, so we don't, we, there's a lot of industries we're not the leaders in. Yes. Name the top three international companies that are based in Canada. It's hard to find them. It used to be Nortel. You know what happened there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's what, Spotify? Really? Well, okay. Oh, sorry, Shopify? Shopify. Sorry? Spotify really? Sweden. Shopify, really? Like, we talked like, about like the provincial government. What about the federal government? What do we need to do? Yeah, so it is harder to do trade interprovincially than it is to do north and south. Yeah. We can send our products south way easier than I can get to BC. Why don't we start there? Why don't we take care of our own first and get rid of these imaginary lines we call borders between provinces so we can actually see trade increase? That's number one. Number two, incent entrepreneurs. Start with microfinancing. It all starts from small companies. Build from there. Build education programs. I'm, part of the, I'm a part of the board of the Junior Achievement Group, which helps students learn about business. Where is it for everybody else? We need that type. An economy is based mostly from small and mid-sized businesses. 90%. Yeah. 90% is private so, business. So does your partner know that you're running for office? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never run for office. Well, I'll never say never, but I'm not running for office. I'm yes. so passionate about this uh, because I think business owners don't have a voice. And if I can use my platform to promote and, and encourage businesses to, to thrive in this country, I've done my job. So I, would, I think I can do more outside of Parliament or, or uh, Edmonton than I can inside those areas by just using my platform. And that's, that's a commitment I've made to business owners in this country. So the Carmali Exchange goes hand in hand with Calgary Next, promoting... <laughs> Local businesses Absolutely. all over Absolutely. Calgary. You guys have done a great job. You keep on hearing about the buzz about your show. When, when we uh, got yeah. the invite to come on board, all of us like, we're all coming. I had like 12 people say, <laughs> I want to be here too. And so I'm glad that you, you had us come on board. But thank you for, so, for all that. It's really awesome. So um, our guest this morning was Faisal Karmali from the Popovich Karmali Advisory Group and the Karmali Exchange. Thank you so much, Faisal, for, Faisal, for coming and sharing with us. And uh, we may bring you back one day. <laughs> I appreciate that. Learned Thank a you. lot this morning. Thank okay. you. Thank, Thank you. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. 